You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, my goal today is to do a little bit of a recap um, and to do my best to calm everybody down a little bit because everyone is throw myself off a building mode, but at the same time acknowledge that was pretty trash. So, I'll probably start with just sort of a general, everybody relax, and here's why, because, you know, preseason. Then I'll probably go into the Facebook group to get some general sentiments to kind of ease into the whole, like, look, relax, but yeah, he's kind of right about this. And then maybe do an overview. I don't know. I, I don't know. Whatever. It's hard to figure out what order to put it in. Maybe I'll do my thoughts first, and then we'll go to the Facebook group for their general sentiments. Just hate to end on such a negative note, because <laughs> people are not happy. But anyways, that's the plan for today. But if you are feeling a little bit blue, I got an idea that maybe will help you out. How about you jump in to the biggest NFL season-long tournament of all time? Because that way, instead of looking forward to the Packers not letting you down in a preseason game, which is, you know, captained by Deshaun Kaiser, which we should have known was not a good place to put our faith, how about we take this knowledge and aggression and put it into a tournament that's going to crank out a million bucks in our direction? And with $3.5 million in total cash prizes plenty to go around. The other benefit is it is season long, but because you don't have any trades, no management, no salary cap or any of that kind of stuff, if you got other leagues and you got other things you want to worry about, you don't have to worry about this. You're literally just drafting, assembling your roster, and that's it. After that, you're done. Set it and forget it. You could pop in once in a while and see how they're doing, but you don't have to worry about anything. You don't even have to set your roster. And as I've said, for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you got to use promo code PACKERNET. That's a free shot at a million bucks just by using promo code PACKERNET when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com. Come play free with promo code PACKERNET. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So, <laughs> this is hilarious. So my hi- the highlight for yesterday was that Martellus Bennett responded to a tweet of mine. Basically, he tweeted out, that the only thing he had for lunch was weed brownies. And the only thing I could think is that he reminded me of the kids in middle school who would brag about getting D's on tests. Now, full disclosure, I was one of those kids. But because nobody understands how thinking works, they all thought I was saying that Martellus was dumb in school because they completely missed the point. Because the only thing you could say to those kids or Martellus in this situation is, wow, cool, bro. It's a dumb comment. It's not something to be proud of, and it's definitely not something to brag about. You're a grown man. You're an adult. You sound like a 14-year-old kid right now. Dude, guess what I did today? I don't care. And again, don't you have some kind of company with kids and stuff? Aren't you a rich multimillionaire who's accomplished a lot in his life? And apparently, (laughs) according to his response, he was an honor roll student in school. So I just let the comments roll off. People are all upset, and they don't understand the context of what I'm saying. Oh, no, he was really smart. He's a genius. Oh, look, a Packer fan that hates smoking weed. And it's like, you guys don't understand anything I'm saying. But it's fine. Because I was happy because Martellus responded and I thought that was kind of cool. And he was fine about it. Well, apparently he was still upset. And he called his mom. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm making this part up, but I'm just going through Twitter just now as I'm, you know, doing a couple things. And um, I see Martellus tweeted me again. And he sent me a picture of one of those pieces of paper that says honor roll. <laughs> Apparently he was still upset about that. So he called up mom. was like, mom, send me a picture of one of the, you, do you have any of my honor roll stuff from when I was a kid? Because I know Martellus didn't bring it to his house. At least I don't think. I don't know. Maybe he's really proud of it and he kept it in his garage. And I'm just picturing Martellus, who's stoned out of his mind, rooting through his garage, or calling mom and saying, Mom, find, send me a picture of that honor roll stuff. Some guy's making fun of me on Twitter. So I just responded again, telling him I was very proud of him. Not what I meant, but, you know, cool, man. I'm glad you did good in school. Again, I didn't. I was that moron that bragged about getting D's because I thought it was lame to study hard and everything. Because I was dumb. And that's the whole point of what I was saying. He reminds me of me when I was 12. Full disclosure, I wasn't super mature at 12. But anyways, I thought I'd share that because that was funny. Anyways, I, I what I've decided to do is I'm going to start with... Uh, I'm going to start with the comments because the comments are negative... Then we'll move into relax, and then we'll move... Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll start with the comments. That's all I know right now. So, you uh, pretty unusual, because there's actually a lot, of, a lot of comments on Twitter. So, I'll start with that, then move into Facebook, and uh, I don't know. There's a lot going on right now, man. So, hilariously, I'm getting a lot of updates about other players. Um, Azaz, I hope I'm saying your name right, on Twitter says, Dayton Jones just made a play, so the Packers weren't wrong. They were just early on his talent. I know he's goofing around, and that's hilarious and awesome for Dayton. But the 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 real, if, if we're being serious about it, the real takeaway from stuff like that is again, it's preseason, man. Guys who are not good are going to be awesome. Guys that are awesome are not going to be very good. Adam says, "Let's talk about Gary. He has no moves whatsoever. Go straight ahead. Push blocker. End of play. Repeat. 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 Twelfth overall pick. Embarrassing." So I got to admit, week one I liked what I saw. I I didn't like anything about Gary this week. I just I really didn't. And um, the thing that really, I shouldn't say scared me, but I was trying to think, because there was one thing that I saw, and this is true, this is essentially what he was doing, but there was something else that he was doing, and I was trying to think, I was like, I got to come up with a name for this. And then it dawned on me who he reminded me of, and then it just, then like sickness really just fell over me. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that there was one guy who had a lot of hype that I really, 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 really didn't like, and I couldn't help but bring him up constantly in the fact that he's overhyped and I don't want him on this team whatsoever, and that's Mr. Gerald Willis. And the thing that I would always say about Gerald is you can see the athleticism, right? You can see that he's kind of fast, but man, there was just so much unnecessary movement that didn't mean or do anything. In a league where the ball comes out so quick, you have to be decisive and you have to just go and get there. Go outside, go inside, go through them. You got to do something, but you got to get to the quarterback. And I would always see Gerald Willis jump back and he would do stunts and twists, which, you know, when you're, when you're kind of looping around, it takes a longer time. So you got to really eliminate as much unnecessary movement as possible because you're on a pretty strict time limit as it is. And he would jump back and he would kind of like do all these ninja moves and flail his arms around like, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming to get you, man. It's like, go, dummy. What are you standing there for? He's like trying to break the offensive lineman's ankles or something. It's like, you don't have time for that. Go. You know, make up your mind. Again, outside, inside, through him. Pick something and do it. And it just, it felt like Rashawn was doing that. He would kind of launch out of his stance and kind of like, you know, do all these head movements and all this stuff. And then as was it Adam said, essentially his decision every single time, with the exception of a few where he decided to try to go around him, he just plowed into the guy and he didn't have any success doing that. And I think another problem with Gary, and this is what I've been saying for some time, everybody was saying, well, you know, the problem is Gary's not very good on the outside. We should push him inside. I don't think he's big enough. I don't think he's strong enough. I saw him in college. When they put him inside, he just got blown out constantly. He can't hold up well enough. And now, as I've said, he looks even thinner. He looks leaner. It looks like he leaned out to try to become an outside linebacker. And so when I like him, it's when he's going around a guy. The problem is if that's your only move, it's not going to work. And until he can learn to set up counter moves, he's not going to do anything in the NFL. He has the speed to beat guys outside. He has the speed to get guys to jump, but he's got to develop some pass rush moves. Now, the, the, the question is, can he? And will he, and how long is it going to take? Because he hasn't done anything yet, that doesn't necessarily mean we need to panic. However, 
at this point in time, I don't see him as a really solid contributor. He's a guy with tools that needs to be able to develop. And at this point, I don't know that he has that ability. Because, yeah, you can still see it. You can still see the, the athleticism. I remember when, and I loved it, when Zadarius and Gary were lined up next to each other. And you can, I mean, if you have the ability, go back and watch it. When they were lined up next to each other, Rashawn Gary is a lot faster than he is. They both launched off at the same time, and Gary was just several steps ahead. He's a very, very fast guy. And, and, and again, the benefit of that isn't just going and getting around offensive tackles which is probably one of the worst ways to do it, especially, right? I mean, think about it. The reason defensive people like interior guys is because they're so close to the quarterback. And when the ball's coming out in 2.3 seconds, if you're smack dab in front of where the quarterback is and you can get there faster, that's a benefit. So with that same logic, the best way to get to the quarterback if you're on the outside is to kind of go inside of the tackle or straight through the tackle. Going around the tackle, even as fast as Gary is, and, and again, when we like Gary, what is he doing? He's going around the quarterback and, ooh, he was so close. He's always going to be so close. The only time he's ever going to be able to, the only time, and again, this isn't just Gary. This is everybody. The only time anybody on the outside is going to get a sack going around a tackle is if the quarterback holds the ball for a significant period of time. It takes a long time to get all the way around an offensive tackle. Unless you're doing some kind of a, a fake to the inside or you really launch off and, and the you know you get the, basically the tackle has to mess up. If the tackle doesn't mess up and he does his job, and, and he's always going to do his job against Gary if that's his only move, which is the reason why it's never going to work. The, the only real benefit to a speed rush is that it can develop a counter. That really is it. The, the speed rush is, is basically useless. It takes out quarterbacks if they hold the ball for more than three seconds, and it helps you develop other moves. Speed to power, which is where you fake to the outside, and then you turn inside, which is what Rashawn Gary was doing all night relatively unsuccessfully. The whole point of speed to power is you get them to widen out their base so that they're off balance so that when you turn and go into them, they're off balance and you blow them straight back. So either the tackle wasn't really off of off balance or Gary just doesn't have speed to power ability at this point in time, meaning you have to be able to launch to the outside and then be able to use that speed and momentum to turn and generate that, that power to be able to push into the tackle but something technically was a little bit off. And, you know, and again, he did get push on the tackle, but it was it was unsuccessful because he wasn't able to do it well enough to, you know, push the tackle straight back into the corner. And again, it's another mobile quarterback. And, and really, a lot of it does depend on the, the corners and everybody needs to do better because as I'm sitting there waiting for, hoping that we can get a pass rush, the ball's just coming out, 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 out. And it's just to the point where as, as much as you want to get frustrated at the pass rush, it's like, can you guys cover for one second? Can you please, for one, okay, family program, for one loving second, doesn't make sense, it's just the only thing I can come up with, please cover anybody. Driving me crazy. There's just always a guy just wide open, just up, 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 the easiest thing in the world. Packers come out and it's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta thread the needle, hopefully we can find somebody open, we gotta throw somebody open. But once again, just like every year for the last 10 years, there's always a guy just floating around in the middle of nowhere. Nobody around him. One second after the ball is snapped, and then we got to hear, oh, the pass rush was trash. Which again, granted, it wasn't great, but it's like, come, give the guys a chance to get to the quarterback. We're never going to do anything. We're never going to have any sacks. We just wasted a ton of money on good pass rushers because we can't cover anybody for more than a second. And there, there was a little bit, and it, granted it's preseason, so they're trying crazy stuff. I remember especially on one play in particular, it was just a garbage play call. I think it was like third and eight. And basically you had two guys that were relative, you know, kind of middle of the field. And you had, I think it was Blake Martinez up close faking blitzing. So the two guys that were back and to the right blitzed and were coming from way deep. So you, you can't even get to the quarterback and the ball's coming out in one second anyways. Now we're going to try to bring two linebacker, cornerback, safeties, whoever they were from deep or middle of the field, but either way, it may as well have been from 20 yards back because they weren't even to the line of scrimmage by the time the ball came out. And then you had Blake Martinez, who's basically at the middle of the of the defensive line trying to drop into coverage. Well, that left a, a hole the size of my house on the left side of the field. Blake Martinez slowly backpedaled when really he needed to turn and sprint because it was a guy right there in that open area. And even if he turned and sprinted, it wouldn't have got there in time. 
And it was third and eight, and they, they basically just left him like a 20-yard cushion. It could not have been an easier – I think he threw it to him. I mean, it was an instant throw because, again, the guy's wide open. The The catch was probably six yards down the field. He probably tacked on another eight or nine yards. It was just you, – you look at it, and it was like, Patton, what in the world are you doing? I mean, I'm sure you're just trying out stuff, but you better not try any garbage like that in the regular season because that was the worst play call I've ever seen in my life. So, I don't know. I mean, it was a lot of frustrating things, but that was one where, and if, let's see, there's a guy on Twitter, Thorny, who just went off last week about Rashawn Gary, and he went into full panic mode, and it was a terrible pick. And I think part of his problem is he never liked Gary. He wanted Ed Oliver. He was an Ed Oliver guy, and obviously we didn't even have a chance to get him anyways, but he was still really mad. And so he piped up again. He said, after a second look, you're still feeling, quote, relaxed. So as annoying as it is to have people like that just, just so negative, but he, but he is right. There, there is the panic meter went up a little bit because, again, even if he did the same thing as week one where he's super fast around a tackle, I think the only thing that gets you is a Kyler Fackrell type player. right? There are certain tackles you're going to be able to dominate, and he's going to have games where he has three sacks because he just speeds around a guy and the quarterback can't get the ball out in time, and that's just going to result in, um, in sacks. But if you're going to be a quality player, you have to do better than that. And and to expand on this a little bit, Zadarius didn't look that great either. I mean, compared to the hype, it wasn't even close. I mean, you expect just domination, and he just looked like a guy. But again, I'm not going to super panic because it's a preseason game and just, you know. So that there's always needs to be that little bit of relax. So we'll switch over to the Facebook group now. Chris says, the, ship, the Shepherd kid is really growing on me. I thought he had a great night. I mean, it... The wide receivers in general did exactly what I said I wanted them to do. It really wasn't all negative. There actually was, if we just focus on starters, there was actually a pretty good amount of positive. Uh, the defense in general was trash, but, you know, whatever. It wasn't all bad. And uh, Shepard was one of the highlights, and in general, I thought the wide receivers looked pretty solid, uh, especially considering the competence of the quarterbacks, which is very low. And uh, Shepard was, was one of those guys. Remember if what I said yesterday that I wanted was for the wide receiver competition to get really, really tough and to make it really, really hard to figure out what's going to go on here. Um, the, the one bit of clarity that we got, number one is, and I know I, I forget who it is, but there are a couple people who think that we shouldn't be too hard on Jamon. You know, Adams had problems with drops. The problem is how do you keep him and who are you cutting in his place? That is the problem. On, on the off chance that maybe he develops. I, I, you know, I don't know if you need him to develop because we got guys that are already producing. And if you don't want to buy into the preseason, fine. But, uh, you know, the other aspect of this is I don't know if Trevor Davis makes the team at this point, primarily because he's injured and he's got a long history of being injured. He was injured all primarily all of last year, and he's shown a little bit by way of being a receiver, which is cool. But he's got a long track record of not being a good receiver, a, a relatively long track record of uh, injuries. He's older than some of the other guys. He's more expensive than almost all of these guys, or at least is going to be if we decide to keep him. And, uh, you know, the one thing that he really is needed for, Shepard showed up and is like, no, man, I got this. I mean, one of those, I think it was a kick return, I'm not sure what, but it looked like he wasn't even looking at the ball and just caught it with his hands. It was the weirdest thing ever. Like, that should have been dropped. And he's just like, no, I got this. Like, just It was like at his knees, and he just hands caught it and just took off running. It's like, that should have been dropped. Like, what? I don't know if I should be mad at you for the way that you caught that or if I should be impressed, but either way, he just it looked natural. He looked comfortable. He didn't look like he was panicking. He was decisive. He was breaking a lot of hands, tackles, and everything else. He was making moves. That, that punt, um, that was one of those where it's like, dude, please just call a fair catch. And he caught it and instantly jumped to the right and took off and picked up, I don't know, like, what, five, six, seven, eight yards? Those, that, that's important, man. Those, those are big plays. Those are important yards that you need. I mean, it, it's inching you closer to field goal range and everything else. I mean, that's, that stuff's important. So, yeah, Shepard did a real good job of, um, of getting closer to making the team for sure. And it's just it's, it gets harder every single time he does stuff like that to take him off. And he really needed a big showing on special teams. And I think, again, Shepard showing up, not just on special teams, but especially on special teams while Trevor Davis is injured is just, it kind of really pushes, again, more clarity in my mind. Let's just keep Shepard and, and dump Trevor Davis. Uh, as much as that seems hard to do because Davis seems like he could be a contributor, again, we have to make tough decisions 
and you know this this kind of makes one of those tough decisions slightly easier but again i haven't done a 53 so maybe we don't need to cut trevor davis but you know then you start looking at alan lazard and you start looking at some of the other guys and it's like well maybe you know uh ryan says kaiser and graham are so hard to watch i'll, I'll stop there and say yep he goes on to say graham is looking more like richard rogers minus the hands ouch um, than Jimmy of old. And unfortunately, Kaiser is looking like Kaiser. Is there any chance BG, Brian Gutekunst, might deal Jimmy somewhere for a pass-catching running back? Any chance Kaiser could be dealt for a later-round pick? There just has to be better options, man. Um, well, I think the the best option for Kaiser is just cut him and get him off the team. The problem is we also need to cut Boyle, and we also need to cut um, Wilkins, because <laughs> I, I don't want to use a roster spot on any of them, but somebody's got to be there and I just think Kaiser is going to stay. I I don't. I mean, cut him for who or trade him for who? I I don't know. And I and I agree insofar as if we can get something for him, yeah, dude, just cash in your chips right now. I just can't imagine there's a team that's going to give us anything for him. And there's a suggestion I think later in these comments here. And if again, if if anything, literally anything, a conditional seventh, just do it. I mean. We're getting some production from seventh round or, or later, so it, it couldn't hurt. You know, maybe, maybe seventh can do something for us. I would just take it and, and just either roll with Boyle or pick somebody up out that's sitting out there. I, I don't know who. I, I don't care who. Just this is not working, man. And and listen, there it wasn't all bad. There were a couple plays. I actually thought that screen that Dexter dropped was real pretty. I mean, that was like a, there's pressure off the back foot just launch it over where the defender's fingertips are beautifully into the arms of the running back and Dexter dropped it. Dexter was just horrible. Um, and as far as Jimmy, I'd have to think that through a little bit because there's obviously implications. And I think the biggest problem would be how much the team would have to pay. And I don't know that there's a lot of people wanting to pay. And I, you know, the, the Packers would be on the hook for a good portion of it. So it's not like the, the team that he goes to. So they would essentially just, let me just look at it real quick. They would have to pay his salary. So let's see. His cap number this year is $12.666666 million. $12.6. Burn. Which, I mean, the structure of those numbers should have told us this was not going to work out. 666 twice in a row. Come on, guys. Uh, the $5 million of it that was a roster bonus has already been paid out. I really think it's just the base salary. There's $3.6 million uh, that was his, uh, essentially, I think, has already counted toward the cap. So there would just be an additional $3.6 million for next year that would be of dead money, meaning we would free up $9 million. We got to get rid of him, man. $9 million we can free up by trading him. And I think the other team would be on the hook for $3.45 million, and that's that's really not that bad. I don't think that it's impossible that a team that's maybe desperate for a tight end would be willing to put up $3.45 million for Jimmy Graham. The question is, what in the world can we get in return? And I don't think it's very much, because I don't think a team is willing to pay too much more than $3.4 million. But, I, you know, I just I tend to agree, man. It seems like the Packers want Jimmy Graham to be a thing. I want Jimmy Graham to be a thing. It just doesn't look like it's a thing. He just... It, it, it almost seems like a lot of it is his attitude. He seems frustrated. He seems like he doesn't really want to be here. He kind of seems like he doesn't really want to play football. Maybe he just doesn't like Green Bay or something. I don't know. I don't know how he was in Seattle. Maybe he's always been just kind of a aloof kind of guy, but it, it, it kind of reminds me of, of like Martellus, to be honest, where he just, he doesn't seem like he's in it. He doesn't seem like he wants to be here. Doesn't just, he's just, he doesn't want to play. Ooh, I know, he hates Rodgers because Rodgers is mean to him, and, and I don't know, Florio can run with that one. But yeah, I mean, jeez, I, I, it doesn't make any, $9 million we would save by getting rid of him. Now that's for a trade, I believe if we cut him, we save $4 million, and we're on the hook for $8.6, um, partially because we would have to pay out his, his salary as opposed to somebody else paying that, but also because there's other per-game bonuses and workout bonuses and things throughout the season that we would be on the hook for, which I don't think those things are necessarily guaranteed. But either way, if we cut them, we save $4 million. Um, but, it, I mean, if there's any opportunity, I mean, again, and I've said this about some other, and I don't, I don't know, I've never heard of this happening, but I don't know why it would be impossible to trade somebody for nothing. I mean, it, it, literally, if somebody says, I'll take him, but I'm not going to give you anything, why not just take that? We're going to we're gonna free up more money. I mean, I, they probably should be able to offer something. A conditional seventh, 
or just some absolute bottom of the roster guy just to kind of save face that we can cut and then fill that spot with somebody else? Like, just give me something, because if I trade you for nothing, it's going to look bad. But seriously, why, why, why wouldn't you just trade him for nothing? Because then it wipes out a lot of this other stuff. I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on here. But I'll agree on both fronts. Any opportunity to trade Jimmy Graham or to trade uh, Deshaun Kaiser, we absolutely need to do it. It's just a question of, is anybody going to take him? I think maybe somebody would take a flyer on Graham. I just can't imagine anyone. You know, I know a lot of teams are pretty prideful, especially their coaches. So maybe you get some, you know, quote-unquote guru, which, by the way, I don't know that there's too many people that would be considered gurus, um, much more than Matt LaFleur, considering what he did with Matt Ryan and all that. I mean, he, he's up there with, with being a quarterback guy, right? He was a quarterback coach. That was his whole thing. But you get somebody that's like, oh, I can develop his skill set. I don't know, whatever. Uh, Billy jumped in and said, sloppy, low energy, mentally checked out, lack of effort, lack of discipline, complacent. Anyone else have anything to add to this uh to add about the first half. Uh, Billy jumped in with his own comment. Uh, he says, Brown and Bolton saved it from being a total dud. Bolton is looking legit. Yeah, Bolton, man. Bolton was doing it on special teams. I mean, he's hitting people in the backfield. I mean, he is the exact opposite of Jimmy Graham. He looks intense. You look at his face. I mean, he, he kinda, he's he got a mean mug, man. He looks kind of scary looking. He's got sort of like a pit bull. You know, it's kind of like the round, angry looking face. It really doesn't matter, and it's sort of irrelevant and not worth even bringing up. But seriously, you look at him, and he just—he looks angry. He looks focused. He looks high energy. It doesn't look like panic. It just looks like, let's get this next play going so I can absolutely n- annihilate somebody. And of course, he had that pick. And and listen, that pick was on was on him. If you watch that replay, he starts running to where the ball's going. Now, maybe most players are doing this, but again, it goes back to that thing where, you know. Players put themselves in the right position, just being in the right place at the right time. And he just ha- he wasn't standing there and the ball just happened to fall into his lap. He put himself in that spot. It's just one of those things where certain things, it kind of goes back to the Aaron Jones thing, where you can't exactly explain what makes him so good. To some degree you can, but there's a lot of running backs that you can put those same things to that just don't have this. It's just a natural knack. And I think with Curtis Bolton, when you watch him, there just seems to be a natural knack. He puts himself in the right spot. He makes the right decisions. He just has great football instincts. Now, same as what I'm saying with Rashawn Gary and, and not panicking too much, let's not get super overhyped. You know, some guys are great in the preseason. We had one sack last uh, yesterday. Guess who it was? The guy that obviously got the sack because he always does because it's preseason, Reggie Gilbert. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's been almost no negatives. And if, if there's been one player that, that deserves all the praise in the world over the last two games, it's probably Curtis Bolton. The guy has just been insane. Uh, Justin responded to that comment and said, Sounds about right. I think this tackling is even worse than what we're usually used to in Green Bay. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was bad last year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's... Um, I would agree it's it's worse, is what, I'll, what I'm trying to say. And as Billy responded to that, that's saying a lot. And it is, because it was bad last year. Now, as several people have um, said, and I think this is also coming later, it's not really the starters. I don't think it's the starters that are that bad with tackling. Although, you watch the first-team defense, just people flying right through and getting big gains. I don't know if, exactly if those are missed tackles. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Maybe guys are just getting blocked up. But you definitely don't want to see that. And if people have opportunities to stick their arms out and, bra- and drag them down, they need to be doing that and not letting them break through those those arm tackles. Um, Ryan responded to that comment and said, just trash, second half two. Jason says, good thing that we'll have amazing offensive and defensive schemes to win us games because these players sure don't look like they'll do it uh, with effort and skill. I don't know if he's being sarcastic, so I'll maybe just leave that where it is, leave that up to interpretation, I guess. Uh, Josh says Ty Summers is struggling to tackle anyone. Yeah, it wasn't as good of, I mean, he, I think he still had the most tackles or tied for the most or was close to the most, but it was like three or four. So a, a, a wild departure from, from last week. And again, I, I don't want to sit here and pump up PFF too much. I know they're not perfect, but you know, let's, let's all just remember, because I like to remind certain people that are really against PFF. Last week, Ty Summers was the guy everybody was talking about. You know, uh, Brian Baldinger did a breakdown about how good this Ty Summers guy is. PFF says Ty Summers was, nah. PFF says Curtis Bolton was the guy. Immediately after that game, Curtis Bolton starts getting snaps, and people were a little confused, like, what about Ty? He was real good, right? I'm just saying. 
Uh, Chris says, I might be one of the few who felt that defensive struggles early in the game were due to scheme. I, I, I tend to agree to a point. There were just certain bad plays, but I, I highlighted one of the plays. I mean, it just, Patton wasn't doing the defense any favors on a lot of these plays. And I, I don't necessarily think that means Patton is garbage. Remember, Patton is trying, this, this is evaluation. The goal of this isn't necessarily to win. There's always a goal to win, but there are other priorities. This is an evaluation period for the players, and they're they're testing out the scheme, they're testing out plays, and they're primarily testing out players. So they're going to call stuff that they would never call in a regular game. Um, Chris goes on to say, Packers seem to leave a lot of space for running backs and slot receivers in the flats on third downs. Unfortunately, this seemed like the case last year, too. And that kind of is the problem is that on one hand, you look at it and go, okay, the defense looks bad, the scheme doesn't look great, but it's preseason. However, this looks a lot like last year's defense. So there isn't a lot to go on to say, I mean, if you wanted to make the case this is going to be a good defense this year, you have nothing to work with. Zero. Well, what about Zedarius? What about him? Other than looking good in training camp. Well, what about Rashawn? Well, what about him? What about Preston? What about him? What about anybody? There, there hasn't been anybody to look at that you can look at and say, dude, that guy is going to be good. I mean, it, really, we're talking about Curtis Bolton is the guy that's that's making the biggest splash of anybody. Again, no real reason to panic, but also no real reason for optimism. They're not giving us a lot to work with for those of us that want to be excited. Kona jumped back in, always, always got my back. Brett Hundley just threw another nice long touchdown pass. Fire. Which, shame on you for putting that emoji in there. Billy, ju- <laughs> Billy jumps in. Boyle completed a pass early, though. One out of his last nine with a fumble. I guess you can say that things are going pretty well here. Then Kona jumps back in. Now a really good run for a first down with 40 seconds left in the half. The, the, the really sad thing about this is I, I know Brett Hundley wasn't very good, but if, if Brett Hundley was on the team right now, I really feel like he'd probably be our best quarterback. <laughs> not necessarily saying I want him back, and I know they're not going to bring him back because he's not a great quarterback. But he would probably be better than, than Kaiser and the rest of these guys. Dustin says, apparently Kaiser is so much better. I think Packer fans gave Hundley too much blame. Eh, Hundley wasn't good. Again, better than Kaiser, better than Boyle, better than Wilkins. Um, would probably pretty easily win the number two job. But, um, you know, I don't know. We'll leave it at that, I guess. Either way, we, we don't have a backup. And it's just, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers a bust, man. In fact, I'm just hoping we don't bust with Aaron Rodgers at this point. I'm definitely not worried about backups. And Sean Luke, long, Sean Luke says, I'm not even lying. I said it when we got Kaiser. I'd rather have Hundley than Kaiser, and I don't think you're wrong. But again, really not worth fighting about because Hundley's not very good. He just isn't. Kyle says, Summers, and then he has a little you know, stock going down, Bolton stock going up. No question. I mean, I, I think, I think we, we know what it is. Um, I think it's going to be Blake and, and Bolton. And, and the real question is, you know, I'm not even that upset about Summers. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited that we might actually have a legitimate linebacker. Because even when we had Oren Burks, I was thinking it's going to be Blake and nobody. Because I didn't really have expectations. I was hopeful that Oren would step up. But I was like, man, we didn't do anything at linebacker. We got a seventh round guy, and I don't even know what else. Didn't you know? I don't care about anybody else. Curtis Bolton's name I barely heard other than preseason. But now he's we got a guy and it's he's playing well. Now the the bigger issue here is what the Packers need at linebacker is a guy that can cover and, and Bolton's doing a great job um, up front. But that's kind of what Blake does. So you know, can Bolton cover? Is Bolton going to be the the run stuffer and, and Blake's going to be more of the sideline to sideline kind of guy? Or are we? How is this all going to work? Or maybe we're just going to be rotating. It's going to be Blake, and then we're going to rotate in between Bolton and maybe Ty will come in and be the coverage guy, and those two will kind of rotate situationally. I don't know. Josh Jones, maybe if he's even on the team, I, I don't know. I really, I, I can't get a read on that situation. I, I almost feel like uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, we should get rid of him because it's just, you know, he wanted a trade. He hasn't been playing well. I don't know that he's better than Bolton or Summers for that matter. I know there's a whole lot of talk about, well, he's a really good line. No, he's not. He's not a good linebacker. That's a myth. That's that's just not true. He's bad in coverage, but he's a good linebacker. He's good when he's close to the line of scrimmage. No, he's not. Um, in 2017 and 2018, he did grade higher in run defense and tackling than he did in coverage and pass rush in every category ever than he did in coverage because he was not good in coverage. But his run defense grade in 2017 was a 61.1. Again, 60 is average. 2018, 65.9. 
So average and average. That's not bad, but the idea that we've got this, you know, guy that's going to be good in the box because he's got the speed to cover and he's he's a good run defender. He's just not though. Can he be? Should he? Be? I, I don't know. Maybe, kind of, sort of. Let's trade him. And it's going to be uncomfortable because we're going to trade him and he's going to go somewhere and he'll probably play better over there. And then you're going to have a bunch of people saying, I knew he was good and Pack Daddy, you're a fraud. Blah, 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 blah. It's not working here, man. Plus, the second reason we should do it is because we got a guy named Josh Jackson on the team. And I always get these two confused and I'm tired of it. And one of them's just got to go. For those of you with no sense of humor, that was a joke. Not a funny one, but please understand I was joking. Jacob says, I really didn't want to be negative tonight, but the whole team is playing sloppy ball. Dexter and Summers seem to have regressed drastically. Hope it turns around. Are we that bad or is Baltimore that for real? I'm not giving Baltimore credit. I don't think they're going to be a very good team. And I'll, I'll get more. I don't want to elaborate now because I'm going to make a point in a little bit. But no, Baltimore's not that good. Dexter definitely worries me. I think Trey Carson was the better running back, but he was not a good running back. Um, as the, you know, the announcers pointed out during the game, you have to be able to catch the ball and dropping a real, I mean, that was, again, from Kaiser, beautiful pass. That hit him right in the hands, and he just dropped it. And it was a great play design. They were over-pursuing. It was a great pass. There was nobody in his way. It would have been a big gain. I just, I, I just, I'm not going to say there's no path to the roster. I don't think they're going to cut him. But, I mean, there's a reason Trey Carson's ahead of him, and Trey Carson is significantly behind, I, I would even say Jamal at this point. At this point, considering how bad they are, Jamal's job is not in danger, and it's probably uh, there's probably a reason Aaron Jones and Jamal are really just not playing because I think the Packers are just completely panicked about what this team looks like without those two players because we don't have a run game with Trey Carson's and Trey Carson and Dexter Williams. I mean, it's just it's bad. And same with Vitaly. I mean, if if they don't play another snap, just don't even be surprised because I, I think the Packers need them desperately. Now, with that said, and I don't want to jump in front of any comments, the run blocking, again, horrific. I mean, yeah, Trey Carson was real hesitant, but there were times there was no reason to even hesitate because he was getting hit in the backfield. I mean, the whole defense was just plot. I've said it a thousand times, and I'll keep saying it. We have been prioritizing pass blocking. Pass blocking, pass blocking, pass blocking, pass blocking. Who cares about run blocking? You don't need to run block. That's not important. You you don't need to be able to successfully run the ball. You just need to run the ball. Okay, fine. Negative three yards work for you then? We'll get a bunch of negative three-yard runs and then try to run play action. It's not going to work, dude. This is why emphasizing a little bit of ability to block the run is important. I mean, man, Brian Balaga was just getting smacked around like a little punk. Everybody was, but I just remember him like trying to pick himself up off the ground, and it's like, you guys are just getting mauled by a defense that doesn't have anybody left. Their starting defense, with the exception of a couple players, is just, it's decimated, and every single one of those defenders annihilated every... Now, pass protection was a different story. I thought they looked pretty good. I, You know, Kaiser, on several occasions, was able to stand in the pocket and make some throws because nobody was pressuring him. I think, again, we, we could be one of the best pass-blocking units in the NFL. The starting... The starting offensive line was fantastic, except when they were asked to run block. They just couldn't do it. And, you know, it's going to be better when Aaron Jones gets in there, but if he doesn't have anywhere to go, he can't be that magical. There's got to at least be a tiny sliver of, of a gap for him to get through. He'll get through it if you give him a sliver. There were no slivers last night. Just embarrassingly horrible. Josh says, dang, man, Boyle looks awful. Yep, he does. Brandon says, so Rashawn Gary pulls up all zeros again, this time with better help. Don't worry, though. He hasn't died yet, so we can't judge him until then. Brandon being a smart aleck as usual. So I'm going to retort with again. And it, it, come on. Come on, man. He hasn't died yet? Right, because saying it's only been one game is the same as saying he hasn't died yet. In other words, well, we got it's It's one thing if you're saying, well, let's see what happens in year three. Which, by the way, we're saying about Mitch Trubisky, and I'm not even positive what's going to happen. Three years! And you're mocking me and a bunch of Packers fans because we said after one preseason game, let's wait? See, the, Brandon, I know you're kind of goofing around, but th- it's this kind of stuff that drives me nuts. It was a bad effort, and I explained fully why. But it is correct to say it's only been two preseason games Let's relax a little bit. It might even take a year to develop some stuff. It might be year two. How about we just brace ourselves for that? How about we brace ourselves for this is a guy that, that after one or possibly two years, he starts to develop. There are players that are that way. Kevin King, 
There are there are look look at what's going on right now with Kevin King. How many people don't want to give up on him? Because he had one game against Julio Jones where he looked kind of good, and the rest of those games have been pretty trash. Just ex- excluding the fact of all of his injuries. But we're willing to give him time. Deshaun Kaiser, well, maybe this year. All right? How many times when, when people do all this stuff, but, well, what about Devontae? We don't, we don't want to give up on Jamon Moore. Why? Well, look at Devontae. It took him three years to develop into being a competent wide receiver. But no, you're right. I, I'm, I'm an idiot we should burn Rashawn Gary at the stake because of one preseason game. He's trash. I hate him. It was the worst pick of all time. We should have got Brian Burns. Brian Gutekunst should be fired. Let's just completely overreact and freak out. I think there is a measured negative response that we can have toward the defense and a measured negative response to have toward Rashawn Gary. Just just don't backhand me in the mouth because I really don't like that. Because, I mean, it's just kind of being silly, man. Uh, Lee says, if we plan on using the run to set up the pass, we are in deep, deep trouble. That's exactly what I was saying. And it's, it's again, Matt LaFleur came in and said everything everything is built off uh, off of the run. Zachary jumped in and said 33 makes a big difference. And, again, no, he's not going to if the offensive line is blocking that poorly. He'll make a difference, but it's still going to be trash. And I, I do expect some improvement, but, you know, the offensive line is not getting this, and especially when we're trying to do those stretch plays, when we're trying to get way to the outside, it just, the further outside we went, the worse it got. This offensive line, if they're able to do anything, it's its what they've learned previously, which is to block inside. You know, when guys ran inside, they were able to at least, at least maul their way to four yards, but you try to get these guys going laterally, and it was just, it was an absolute embarrassment, and, and that's exactly what this scheme is. It's outside zone. We're trying to get to the outside and um, every single play, and I'll hopefully get some more stats on that, but every single play that went to the outside was just horrible. Uh, Dustin says, well, hopefully Petten and LaFleur smack some guys around. No excuses. We were outmatched and outplayed. Sloppy and undisciplined. And I also forgot to take a break, so why don't we do that real quick? We'll finish out these comments. I'll give my thoughts, and then, uh, and then we'll call it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So continuing on with what Dustin was saying, um, yeah, I mean, and and we'll probably get some more information from the coaches, um, and, and may, there's probably already some stuff out there that I haven't listened to yet from the coaches in terms of their impression of it, but um, as transparent as the coaches have been so far, especially Matt LaFleur, I expect to hear some, some pretty negative comments. And again, there's going to be positives. There really were positives, and I'm hoping we can get to some in the comments. If not, I'll try to highlight some of those things. But um, I have to assume the team was very disappointed and uh, the coaches are, are concerned and very upset. And, yeah, smacking some guys around would be nice. <laughs> man, Billy's a, Billy is a goofball, man. Billy says, congratulations to our co-MVPs, hashtag Super Bowl bound. On the right side is J.K. Scott. On the left is uh, Michael Bolton, which is a, uh, a poor attempt at a Google image search, my friend. I think we were looking for Curtis Bolton, but um, but that was a, that was a good attempt, sir. 
Uh, Ryan comes back in, says, in all seriousness, I know it's just preseason, but I need to see more. More effort, more fundamentals, a little more of the scheme. Ravens are playing their roster bubble guys too, but they look good tonight. And that is true, and that that's kind of where – so on one hand, you look at it and say it's just preseason. On the other hand, let me, just a, a hypothetical to throw out there. If Aaron Rodgers came out, would he be better than Kaiser? Obviously, the answer is yes. Why? It's preseason. It shouldn't matter. It's all just nebulous, right? Good guys are bad. Bad guys are good. These are dumb things that I throw out there all the time. Why – On some level, there is a weird thing where, you know, some players play better in the preseason than they do in the regular season. On some level, some guys who, you know, and and teams in general, teams that are good are bad and teams that are bad are good. And it's just this weird thing. However, on some level, good players are going to make plays. Bad players are going to be bad. And when your whole team kind of plays bad, there has to be some level of accountability and some level of saying, you know what? There is some reason for concern here. There's always going to be that preseason thing where, you know, I don't know if Curtis Bolton's going to be any good. I don't know if Rashawn Gary's going to struggle all this season. But I, you know, we're, we're kind of inching toward that direction. And again, if, if, if Aaron Rodgers came out, he would have lit this th- this Ravens team up. And if, if Aaron Rodgers was playing a whole game, I, I don't have... And that, that if I were to put a positive spin on this, if it was all Packers starters the whole game and all Ravens starters the whole game, the Packers would have absolutely annihilated that team, and there's no doubt in my mind. Aaron Rodgers would have carved them up, and, and their quarterback is not that good. None of their quarterbacks are very good. They didn't look that great. He hit a couple passes to wide-open guys, but you, you get this defense going on a normal scheme. The coverage tightens up a little bit. You get some three and outs, and I don't think their defense has any ability to stop Aaron Rodgers. I really don't. I mean, you look at some of those passes that were off. You look at Shepard and, and Lazard and Adams and, oh, my God. Dude, we would have beat them so bad. We, we probably there, – there would have been some kind of a mercy rule implemented. I'm not – I mean, it just – it would have been just – Our wide receivers and quarterback situation is so wildly better than the Baltimore Ravens. Zero doubt in my mind. I'll, I'll – I – Oh, just just believe me. Billy just just can't help himself. I got to have him come in and do like some some writing for me. Give me some material. Got to get some comedy sketch writers or something. Seems to have the same kind of dumb sense of humor that I have. But he says, Ryan might be onto something mentioning Jake DeLome in today's, which would be yesterday's podcast. Wonder what he's doing right now if he's beside his phone. Um, I, you know, it's one of those things you look at and be like, ah, that's funny. But then you think about it, it's like, yeah. I wonder. <laughs> I mean, what is he like? Forty-seven? He's. I'm sure he could play. Oh, I was kidding. He actually is forty-four. I'd still give him a shot. Might have to work off some of that peanut butter toast weight, but um, I I think he could come in and be legitimate number two. And by legitimate, I just mean better than Kaiser. Uh, Joshua jumps in and says Boyle might be the number two. Kaiser's getting shipped off. Ah, uh, again, I I hate to even jump in on these because I just I I'm to the point I just don't care. Cut, cut the first two and keep Manny Wilkins. I, I, I really just don't care. Um, you know, it, it, I'm kind of being sarcastic because it really does come down to who is able to maybe possibly eke out a win if, if he just has to not lose for a half or something. And that, you know, and I, I see on Twitter like, oh, look what Kaiser did with the ones compared to Boyle with the twos. Okay, but Kaiser was going against the ones and Boyle was going against the twos. So it, it's a little bit of a wash on that not the best argument to make and either way who cares because they were both just so bad and you know again he says Kaiser's getting shipped off I mean if, if there's any compensation we can get for any of these quarterbacks I don't even care which one probably going to be Kaiser just because you know he was drafted high and some people I'm sure rem- I mean they remember right they were all in the meetings and they they studied this guy over and over and I'm sure there were a lot of teams that really liked Kaiser outside of the Packers and the Browns um but he's put up so much bad tape. I mean, yeah, I mean, technically Brett Hundley did too, and we were able to trade him. But man, oh man, I just, I wish, I wish, and I hope. And got one more comment just now that I just approved from PG. Says, well, the special teams looked good last night. They did. There was a flag that I recall. So you know that's frustrating. But otherwise, yeah, it looked pretty good. And uh, J.K. Man, ho, oh, my man, I'm so he better keep it up too because I was. I was banging the table so hard for him, which is really hard to do because he was a punter that got drafted, which automatically means everybody hates you. And everybody hated me because I defended it. But if he can keep that up, which he probably can't, but man, was he banging that thing. 
Well, it was like, oh, what was his? Here we go. Via Tom Silverstein, J.K. Scott is averaging 52.2 yards per punt. His net is 44. And again, I don't super care about the net, but that's a pretty solid uh, net. And 52.2 yards per punt. And his, I don't know what his, he didn't mention the hang time. But I know at least on one of those punts, it, I think his first two punts, I don't know how many punts he had, but I distinctly remember after the second punt, it was over five seconds, and the announcer had said there's another one over five seconds. So the first two were over five-second hang time, which is just disgusting. And if you can do over five seconds and 50 yards, that's that's it's just a near impossibility. Like, nobody does that. So, I mean, if, if he can maintain this, and he still has to work on, you know, direction be nice if some of these you know there were there were a few I think his first punt first or second I don't know but it was real high and not the farthest and it was like you know I feel like he could have maybe pushed it back a little bit but whatever just phenomenal day for uh for JK super excited about that and very needed because he was about to embarrass me really badly for for adamantly defending a draft pick for a punter which is Something you generally never want to defend, but I did anyways. So a uh, couple general notes. First of all, PFF doesn't have their official grades up yet, but they had some preliminary stuff, which is the the um, strong performances and poor performances. For the Packers, they highlighted, well, let's do the poor ones first because let's just get that all out of the way. Uh, Chandon Sullivan, who really, really did look bad. Uh, there were a couple secondary players. I think Redmond, is that his name? I don't even know. But he didn't look great, but but Chandon Sullivan was, was pretty terrible. Uh, their note on him was Chandon Sullivan struggled in coverage. He was responsible for the touchdown in the second quarter and allowed a couple other catches throughout the night. The second, not super surprisingly, is Dexter Williams. They said running back Dexter Williams had a couple of noteworthy plays that set the offense back in this one. He mishandled a handoff deep in their own end zone at the beginning of the second half, which led to the Ravens' touchdown two plays later. He also dropped one of his two targets for the game. So he has been a, a massive disappointment up to this point. Um, as for the positives, they highlighted Tyler Lancaster, which is nice because we're generally not watching the, the trenches much, but he said Tyler Lancaster had a pretty solid night stopping the run. He recorded multiple tackles and gave the quarterback some problems rushing the passer. So props to Tyler Lancaster, who continues to exceed expectations. And then the second, and they had a lot of people to choose from, but they chose to highlight Alan Lazard, which is awesome. Wide receiver Alan Lazard was moving the chains for the offense in the third quarter as all three of his receptions came after the half and resulted in fir- uh, first downs. He showed the ability to run crisp routes and do some damage after the catch. Now, I'll be honest, I had mentioned Alan Lazard yesterday with as, as a potential to make the roster. I really had no expectation of him actually making the roster. He's really making a strong push. And Alan Lazard also, it's not just Shepard that's pushing Trevor Davis down. I know a lot of people when I said cut him, or we might cut him because of his injury or whatever, like, come on, man. But y- you got to understand, there's only so many wide receivers we're going to keep. We're going to keep Devontae. We're going to keep Geronimo. We're going to keep, um, I almost said EQ, but he's not a lock necessarily. We're going to keep MVS. Those are the top three. We're going to keep Jay Kumaro. So that's four. If we only keep five receivers, we have to choose between Equinemius St. Brown, Trevor Davis, Alan Lazard, Darius Shepard. And, of course, Jamon Moore, which is why, again, those people wanting to keep Jamon, I get it, but no, man. I mean, that, that, that really is crazy. There's a lot of people saying we're only going to keep five. That means um, if we keep Alan Lazard, Equinemius, Trevor Davis, Jamon Moore, Darius Shepard, Malik Taylor, Taylor Redding are all getting cut or put on the practice squad. That's insane. To, to think that, that Equinemius St. Brown could possibly be, be cut, if you would have told me that a month ago, I'd have said you're out of your mind. There's no way. But, I mean, to be completely honest, he he hasn't shown much. I don't think he's been bad, but he hasn't done what Trevor Davis has done. He hasn't done what Lazard has done. He hasn't shown what Shepard has done, uh, hasn't shown what he's shown. I mean, even if we keep six, okay, let's let's push Shepard on the team because of his special team's ability and he's shown some other stuff. Okay, well, that means we got to either, let's just say cut, but it could also be practice squad, but for the sake of keeping it simple, we got to cut Trevor Davis, Equinemius, Alan Lazard, um and uh, Malik, Taylor, Jamon, Teo, Redding. And if we just assume Jamon and Teo and Malik are gone, fine. We're talking about two, four, six, eight wide receivers. That's eight that we all want to keep. Shepard, Lazard, Equinemius, Trevor Davis, Jay Kumaro, Geronimo Allison, Marquez, and Devante. That's eight wide receivers. Somebody's got to go. And again, Trevor's hurt again. Um, he may still just be a special teams guy who had a couple flashes so I really am leaning toward letting him go as much as I'd, I'd like to keep him. I'd like to keep all eight of those guys. 
But if we got to whittle that down to six, I, I think in my mind, Davis goes first. After that, I think for me personally, it would probably be Lazard just because I can't really wrap my head around getting rid of EQ. And I, I would like to see what Shepard can do. I like that he is, I think, a true slot guy, which I don't know that we necessarily have. I know Kumaro can play in the slot. I know Geronimo can play in the slot. I know Marquez, Devante, they can all play in the slot, but they're not specifically slot guys. I think Shepard can be a, a legitimately dynamic slot guy and um, to the point where he, even if he doesn't make the active roster, you know, you can you can do some stuff with him. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, again, this is what I wanted. I wanted it to be a very, very difficult decision, and that's exactly what it is. And there's going to be some, some heartbreak, some shock, some, some craziness going on with uh, the wide receivers. But anyways, Alan Lazard uh, getting the highlight there. But anyways, the, the one thing that I wanted to highlight, and this is, again, this is me doing the same old routine that I've done. Um, and the only reason I keep doing it is because, I, you know, I think people need to constantly be reminded of this. But I just want to show you really quickly these are the best and worst teams in the preseason last year, 2018. So first, let me tell you who the, the regular season, the, the best teams in the regular season, and it, it'll make sense because these are good football teams. The Rams, the Patriots, the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Bears were the top five teams. The bottom five, the Cardinals, the Bills, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the 49ers. Makes sense, right? Those are all the, the best and worst teams probably. You could argue a couple changes here and there, whatever, doesn't really matter. It all fits what we assume to be good and bad teams. Preseason of that year, you know who the best five teams were in order? The Browns, the Saints, the Bengals, the Ravens, and the 49ers. The 49ers ended up being one of the worst five teams in the NFL. Only one of those five teams was actually a good team in the regular season, and that's the Saints. The Browns were not very good, the Bengals were not good, the Ravens were not good, and the 49ers were not good. Again, 49ers being the fifth worst team in the NFL. The bottom five teams were um, in order of, of, so fifth worst, fourth worst, so... Reverse order, I guess. I don't know. Let's just do worse. Whatever. So the worst team was Dallas. After that was the Rams, the Bills, the Falcons, and the Cardinals. So the Falcons weren't great. The Cardinals were terrible. The Bills weren't bad. But the Cowboys were a good team. They were graded as the worst preseason team. And the Rams were the number one highest graded team in all of football last year. Were the second worst preseason team. The preseason doesn't tell us anything. The full order. Let me just read it to you. Browns, Saints, Bengals, Ravens, 49ers, Steelers, Seahawks, Broncos, Chiefs, Jets, Vikings, Raiders, Patriots, Texans, Giants, Dolphins, Packers, Bucks, Colts, Redskins, Chargers, Bears, Panthers, Jaguars, Eagles, Titans, Lions, Cardinals, Falcons, Bills, Rams, Cowboys. You might as well take 32 teams, put them in a jar, shake up the jar, and dump it out. It's completely random. There's nothing to... There's nothing you can learn from this. If I told you, look at this list and tell me what you can learn from this list... Zero things can you learn from this list. Just, I mean, if, if we look at the offense, the Rams had the second worst offense. The Browns had the number one offense. Give me a break. The Rams were graded dead last in passing and by a lot. The Seattle Seahawks were the top team and the Jets were number two. Give me a break. The number one receiving team was the 49ers. The last place receiving team was the Rams. Again, give me a break. The best running team in the NFL was the Seattle Seahawks. The worst was the Colts. It's just, no, no, not at all. The Redskins and the Lions were two and three, the, the top two teams. No. Chicago's defense ranked 15th. 15th. The Panthers and the Bills were dead last. Those are good defenses. The Raiders' defense was seventh in the preseason last year. Number one run defense, the New York Giants. Number two, the 49ers. Number three, tied for number two is the Chiefs. No, man. <laughs> nope. The Eagles were the third worst run defense. No, that is a phenomenal defense. Packers last year were the seventh best tackling team in all the preseason. That did not carry over into the regular season. The Eagles were dead last in tackling. I don't think that carried over. The Saints and the Raiders had the number one were number one in pass rush. Nope. The Chiefs, who were the number one pass rushing team with two of the top pass rushers in the NFL last year, were dead last. D Ford and Justin Houston. D. Ford was the number one pass rusher in the NFL. They were dead last. You know what D. Ford's pass rush grade it was in the preseason? The number one pass rusher in the NFL, you know what it was? 47.4. He was abysmal. Abysmal in the preseason. He was horrible in the preseason as a pass rusher. Run defense, 77. Tackling, 75. He was terrible against the run in the regular season. He was the number one pass rusher. In the preseason, he was good against the run. He was horrible as a pass rusher. If you're using the preseason to judge anything, you're going to lose. 
Zero people would have guessed D. Ford for any reason was going to be the number one pass rusher in the NFL, and he was graded as the number one. Arizona Cardinals had the fifth best coverage unit. Give me a break. The Vikings were fourth. Nah. Packers were 13th. I don't know. I guess. Bears were 21st. 21st best coverage unit in the preseason. Again, it's just random. All of this is random. And as much as we want to put stock in it and say that this is going to translate, go back and look at this if you have it and tell me what correlation you can see between preseason and the regular season. Whether you're looking at the team as a whole, looking at a category of the team, looking at a player, you can't tell anything. Again, the best pass rusher in the NFL was one of the worst in the preseason. Some of the best teams in one category were one of the worst. The Rams had the worst offense Basically, the worst offense in the entire preseason, they had the best offense in the regular season, you know, one of the best and was graded as the best team overall in the, pre- in the regular season. I know this is frustrating, but just understand that we're not learning a single thing because none of this is going to translate. Maybe Rashawn Gary is going to be trash. Could be. I mean, there, there are logical things to look at. Like I said, he doesn't seem to have a lot of counters, a lot of this, a lot of that, blah, 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 blah. Zedarius, man, I wish he'd have done more. But it, we, we don't know anything. And I'm going to tell you what the grades are, and I'm going to show you all that stuff, and that's that's great, and that's fine. But it's it's just random, and we're not going to know what the team is until the season starts. And even then, we're not going to know because people are going to develop throughout the season. It, to be honest, we won't know what this team is until the conclusion of the season. That will be the only time when we definitively know what this team was or is. So it makes sense to be concerned about some things, to be excited about other things, but... Anybody that's overreacting in any direction one way or another, please relax. The only other note that I want to slip in here real quick, I, I like the play of, of our safeties. Uh, Amos I didn't see much, but that's sometimes a good thing. Savage had a very, very good pass breakup. And again, Raven Green is everywhere. And Raven Green actually reminds me a lot of Curtis Bolton. Not only is he showing up a lot, but he looks jacked and he looks really mean and angry. Like he just he just he looks like an enforcer. And I, I think Raven Green and Curtis Bolton have that same kind of enforcer mentality. He is a big, scary guy. And again, I don't know what he's gonna be in the regular season, but there's a lot of people that that, that are worthy of respect and, and, and know what they're talking about that are saying, No, tr- this dude is good. And you look at how big he is, and I know Kuhn before the game was talking about no, he's legitimately really, really fast. That's not a bad thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I mean, there, there's a lot to be excited about. Again, if we just look at the starters, forget the quarterbacks. They're not going to be our quarterbacks. The offense, the starting offensive line, there was a, a very noticeable difference when our starting offensive line left. I think our starting offensive line is pretty good. They need to get better, you know, in the run game. And, and that's going to change as well, right? The, the run calls and all this stuff, that's all going to change. They might be a decent unit when this thing kicks off. And, and it, I also have talked about how the Titans really struggled to run the ball early in the season. But what were they at the end of it? They were dominant on the ground. It took some time to develop that and uh, to get that going. And I think we have more talent on our offensive line than the Titans do. So if they could figure it out, I think we'll be able to figure it out. Wide receivers are, are I, think we, I think we've got a decent group. And uh, you add in the scheme, you add in Aaron Rodgers. I think we've got enough talent to be able to get a little bit of separation and to be able to move the sticks. I mean, I'm feeling relatively good about that. Defensive side of the ball, I wish we were seeing more. But let's not forget, Kenny Clark is still Kenny Clark. Uh, Tyler Lancaster and those guys, they're, they're, those are the ones in the trenches that are kind of stepping up. I, I don't like the run defense super a, a ton. The guys in the trenches need to do better in, in that regard. And maybe that falls a little bit on the linebackers or whatever, but it needs to get cleaned up. But, um, you know, Blake is still Blake. Uh, we got some hope at linebacker, more hope than we've had in some time. Um, I'm not super encouraged by anything Jair is doing so far, but I, I still think, you know, once the regular season kicks off, we'll get to see Jair getting back into form. The corners in general have me concerned, but the safeties I think are going to be a big step up. So, I mean, if we just take 2018 for what it was and say we we may not have as good a pass rushers as we hoped, but it's going to be an improvement. And um, the, the corners maybe didn't improve as much as we hoped, but there's going to be a, maybe a slight improvement. And the safeties improved. It's still a better team, and I think the offense is going to improve. I, I don't know what this all means, but at, at the very least, I don't think we should fall into despair. I think the Bears are going to regress. I, I think um, the Packers are going to get better. I think we've got a real shot at uh, at winning the division, and at the very least to get into the playoffs if, if we're number two in the division or whatever. And again, this is a team that's going to develop over time, so if, if we're picking up steam toward the end of the year and can just sneak in, we got a shot. Right, if this offensive line is really blocking and, and we've still got Aaron Jones healthy, which is asking a lot that late in the season, but there's some real potential here 
to uh, to have a good team, but we, we have to be patient. And and again, flipping out after two preseason games, and I know most people are. It, it's okay to be disappointed, but um, you know we, we we have to understand that first of all, it's preseason. Second of all. This isn't all even going to be cleaned up by week one. It's still going to be sloppy. There's still going to be missed tackles. There's still going to be blown assignments. There's still going to be a lot of disappointment. The goal is to keep developing and just keep your head above water. If you got to play horrible, fine, but find a way to win. Find a way to beat these teams early on because as the season goes on, you're going to get better and better. And the worst-case scenario is we get to the end of the season and we're finally starting to play well, but we're already out. That's what we have to avoid. Just play well enough to sneak in and then just put the gas down and just you know pedal to the metal and get it done. But anyways, those are my thoughts. Uh, you folks, enjoy your Friday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.